From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. A new Portland City Commissioner was elected to the City Council this week. Dan Ryan won the special election to fill the position held by the late Nick Fish, who died of cancer in January. Ryan won in a tight race over former Multnomah County Commissioner Loretta Smith. He'll take office in September, and the council will then once again have five commissioners. Ryan is the third openly LGBTQ plus person to win a seat on the council, and the first commissioner openly living with HIV. We'll hear from Commissioner-elect Ryan in just a moment. And later, we're joined by Portland philanthropist Jordan Schnitzer, who announced $150,000 in Black Lives Matter grants. Those grants will be awarded to artists in both Oregon and Washington, reflecting on their experiences with systemic racism and racial inequality. Jordan Schnitzer joins us in our next segment to tell us more about the grants and how artists can apply. First, I'm pleased to welcome as my guest, the newest member of the Portland City Council, Dan Ryan. Welcome back to Straight Talk, and this time not as a candidate, but as commissioner-elect. You've got to feel great about that. I do, Laurel. It's really good to see you. Thanks. It was a long campaign that started before the pandemic, and you joined the council officially in September. What does this all mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot, first and foremost, to fill the shoes of Commissioner Nick Fish, the late commissioner. And he was known as a consensus builder, someone that built bridges. And I just feel like I'm going to be able to slide right in and continue in that same spirit. So it means a lot to me uh, to fill those shoes. I want to let our viewers know that we're taping this Thursday afternoon, so things could change. There could be developments. You're joining the council at a critical time in Portland history. Protests are now in their 11th week following the killing of George Floyd. Protesters demanding racial justice and equity and an end to police brutality. And you've talked here about having a peace summit as a pathway to a peaceful resolution and to meaningful reform. How will you try to bring about this summit? Walk us through that and how quickly do you think you can do it? Yeah, well, I'll join the council in mid-September and I look forward to working with my colleagues as a team. I think as a team, we have to get on the same page about what this peace summit can look like and what it can do. The truth is, um, we're kind of an epidemic in our country where it's so divisive and people aren't listening to one another. Everyone just wants to be heard, but no one is really connecting. And it's time for us right here in Portland to demonstrate what that looks like. So I have a lot of confidence that the team can come together on what that looks like and how inclusive it will be, which would be very important, and make sure that we um, do it right. And I find that when you bring people together, even with incredibly different values and different styles, that we can get on the same page on a few goals. And once you start there, you can map it back on how we can all play our part um, to bring those goals to fruition. But the truth is, our city needs to come together right now. We're facing so many things, especially with COVID and the economic devastation. And Portlanders want to get back um, and open up their city again. And um, so I think it's really important that we have a peace summit so that we can all get on the same page as we build forward. 
You have a long history of protesting yourself, and I want to ask you about some of the protests that we've seen almost nightly with a small group of more aggressive protesters. And I'm talking, to be clear, this smaller group that's broken away from the larger, more peaceful group of two or, or 300 protesters, some throw rocks and fireworks, sometimes Molotov cocktails at officers paint on Wednesday night. There have been break-ins at the police union headquarters in North Portland. We've seen fires lit, sometimes with people inside the buildings using accelerant. Uh, Commissioner-elect Ryan, where do you draw the line on this kind of activity? Is there a line in your mind, and have we crossed it? I think it's most important that we also listen to those 200 people that you're identifying at this moment. I want to hear what is really going on in their heads, um, why, in fact, uh, they're going to such measures. And so I do think they're included in this peace summit, because if we don't include their voices, then it won't be very successful. So I'm, I'm, I'm really open to including them as well. I want to press you on this just a little bit, Commissioner-elect, because there are a lot of people in Portland and Oregon who are concerned about some of the activity they're seeing late at night, uh, the more violent, destructive behavior. Is there anything in that behavior that you do not condone? No one condones. Um, anything that becomes violent, anything that becomes life-threatening. And so I think I could speak with, with a clear consciousness on that. I think that we also know that force and force, when they go together, causes more destruction. And so we have to continue to look at what kind of de-escalation skills can be in place. And really, it helps when you mobilize people around those closest to those doing it and make them a part of the winning team that can um, put a stop to such behaviors. Do you have a message at all for the protesters who were engaged in this more aggressive behavior? My message would be, please tell me uh, what success looks like for you. Because it's a lot easier to destroy things than it is to build things. And it takes more courage to be a part of somebody that can uh, build something. And so I want to see that they have enough courage to come to the table and to sit next to people that don't actually agree with them. And we can do what is always necessary in good government, which is to actually do compromise. And no one gets everything that they want. So it's time to uh, let them at the table and uh, see if they can be a part of the team. The, the police chief has asked the community to denounce this um, more violent behavior. Are you willing to go that far and denounce it? I just want to uh, have dialogue with the chief of police um, and and find out what community policing does look like to them. Um, the, the chief has mentioned how supportive he is of community policing. I believe him. I hope that we can do and model some behavior that we've seen in cities like Camden and Newark, New Jersey and Flint, Michigan, where the police don't have armor on, but they walk the streets where there's the biggest uptick in violence. And they walk the streets with neighbors, with communities of the nonprofit organizations, with the communities of faith, get to know people by name. And, and really start to have relationships. Once you have relationships with people, it's uh, you really can't act in a way that's violent. I just want to press you a little bit more on this because we've reached out to all the city council members and with the exception of the mayor, they have not come out and spoken out against some of this more destructive, violent uh, behavior by some of these aggressive protesters. Are you uh, tacitly giving permission by not specifically asking them to stop that behavior? I'm asking us to take action. I'm asking us to try something different. I'm asking us to get towards the region. And, and that's what's going to bring us together, is working together for solution 
and including everybody that's involved in that solution. Well, we look forward to uh, seeing the peace summit that you're able to bring together. Let me talk about July. It was an especially deadly month in Portland with 15 homicides and 99 shootings compared to 35 the year before. Black community leaders last week called on the mayor and city council and police to do something. Let's listen to their call to action. This is Kevin Modica, who retired from the Portland Police Bureau three years ago after serving for three decades. There is no cost you can put on a human life, and I say to you, I demand of you, City of Portland, City of Portland Police Commissioner Ted Wheeler, City of Portland Commissioners, the elected legislators of Multnomah County and Gresham, we demand of you to do your work. Do your work. We demand that the chief be empowered. Empower your chief. Be empowered to utilize the available talent and expertise that is present in the Portland Police Bureau. A pretty strong call to action. What specifically, Commissioner-elect Ryan, do you think you and the council can do to address their concerns and reduce gun violence in the city? Uh, what I didn't hear uh, is that there's a national epidemic that's currently taking place in gun, with an uptick in gun violence. We have. Um, we have to bring people together that have de-escalation training skills at this time. But what I really want to emphasize is that we have a national uptick in depression and mental health episodes at this moment. We have a big national uptick all over the country in domestic violence. So this COVID lockdown that has been taking place for some time and the economic devastation connected to it is a factor and it's causing a lot of conflict on our streets. And so we need to um, all come together and recognize that. I don't think that a decision that was passed four to zero just a few minutes ago, if you will, when we look at the space of time, is the biggest factor in why there's an uptick. I think we have to be rec recognized that this is a national epidemic. So that's a, that's a cause, but how about a solution? Do you think that the police department now has the resources to address reducing gun violence and also investigate some of the cases? I think as we continue to build this community safety system, that's where we're going. Again, it's easier to take them to park than to build them. We have to have the courage to build. So we made some big decisions like uh, giving more resources to the community street response team. And they're skilled in de-escalation skills. And that is something the police have been complaining about for a long time. And so we have to surround them with partners that are from addiction and recovery services from the street response teams and really start to build that that real new guardianship that we need and so we're going forward with the community safety system and the police are part of that but they're going to have to welcome all these other players in so that we can really uh, move forward you've mentioned the covid pandemic i know you're really concerned about just how devastating this is to the economy do you want to see the city council do more to help people and businesses hurt by the covid crisis Absolutely. I think we have enough information that we can't depend on the Washington, D.C. to send us a lifetime. It's too much division, and it's very challenging even sometimes to get that from Salem. So Portland, City of Portland and the, and the county really have to work and come together to figure out how we're going to survive this. I think we're on the tip. It's just beginning um, on what this economic devastation looks like. Um, it's so many people haven't made money since mid-March. The spigot was turned off with all my friends in the hospitality industry, those in music venues, and anyone in arts and culture. And it's it's pretty devastating. And 
we need to you know, we need to figure out how to just keep people sheltered and fed. And so I think we have to go into an emergency budget scenario on what that looks like, and we have to include the county, and we have to merge um, some of our services with the county because they they're focused on those who um, have the least. And so the city has to make sure that we're responsive and we're helpful with the county as we keep people again sheltered and fed during this crisis. But the economic indicators, as you know, Laurel, are pretty devastating. We haven't seen anything like this since we've been recording um, economic data. And it feels like a big tsunami, if you will, in terms of the pandemic coming together with something that might be bigger than the Great Depression. A lot of people are suffering. I, I want to end on a, on a lighter note, something more joyous that we can all hang our hat on. You're a huge Trailblazers fan. And what a game Damian Lillard had Wednesday night with 61 points and their victory over the Dallas Mavericks. Now, we're taping this before their game Thursday night against the Nets. So of course, we don't know the outcome, but how are you feeling about your Blazers right now? I'm feeling really good. I'd love about three teams to lose today. And that would be, you know, Phoenix should be one of them. And of course, Memphis. If that happened, I'll be really delighted. Um, but we, we got to take care of business tonight against the Nets. And everyone's got to send some warm feeling uh, uh, thoughts to, uh, to CJ because uh, I don't know how he's doing it with a cracked vertebrae. So uh, I'm a little concerned. And, but he's tough. And he's tough. So anyway, let's, uh, let's do this. Rip City love. We need, we need Rip City joy right now in River City, don't you think? We absolutely do. We'll, we'll end it with Go Blazers. And thank you, Commissioner-elect Dan Ryan. You're so welcome. I look forward to uh, Thank you for this conversation. Well, good luck. We hope you'll join us many times in the future here on Stray Talk. And coming up next, Jordan Snitcher joins us now to talk about the Black Lives Matter Artist Grants. That's coming up in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Portland businessman and philanthropist Jordan Schnitzer and the Jordan Schnitzer Family Foundation have been described as one of the most active and generous visual arts philanthropies in the nation now. Schnitzer has established a Black Lives Matter Artist Grant Program in Oregon and Washington. Its aim, to recognize and share the creative visions of local artists in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. He's here to tell us what it's all about and how artists can apply. Welcome to my guest, Jordan Schnitzer. Jordan, welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. What gave you the idea for the Black Lives Matter Artist Grant Program? Well, first, there's a little bit of history. As many know, I grew up in Portland. My mother, Arlene Schnitzer, had the Fountain Gallery of Art for 25 years, and she promoted a, a number of uh, African-American black artists as well as others. So it was natural for me to grow up with, with a variety of art in our household. Uh, when she retired from the gallery, I started collecting prints and multiples of the biggest artists in the country. And right early on, I started collecting works by, for instance, Kara Walker behind me here, who today is the most important black African-American artist in the country. We have all of her prints and multiples. Uh, we've had uh, 11 shows of hers around the country. So the themes of Black Lives Matter, of white supremacy, of uh, oppression, of attitudes, uh, uh, of, of, of the things we anguish with when we see the, the George Floyd killing and all that that represents, these are themes that Kara Walker and another dozen of the best artists in the country today are dealing with and forcing us to face. So these are not new themes for us. We've had Kara Walker shows in Laramie, Wyoming, Springfield, Missouri, Boise, Idaho. And in those cities, we funded symposiums on black-white relationships, on how we treat each other, how we talk to each other. So for me and um, the art program and, and um, our company, uh, we were actually um, 
horribly depressed like everyone over George Floyd's killing. But as a result of that, with the Black Lives Matter movement helping raise the visibility of these issues that have afflicted this country for too many generations and must be dealt with. So for us, these are not new themes. They're themes we've tried to promote and try to get in front of people in audiences so they would face their own values and the values of their families, their communities, their states, and try to deal more constructively with how we move on and treat each other with the kind of respect and equality for all. Well, this is a partnership with the Jordan Schnitzer Museum of Art at PSU and the museums at the University of Oregon and Washington State University. How will that partnership work? So out of this deep felt conviction that we need to learn how to deal with these issues, uh, the idea came from the Black Lives Matter movement of how do we use the arts that mean so much to us. In my view, artists have always been chroniclers of our time. And as I sit there trying to deal with these issues, I needed artists to help me. At the same time, with the COVID-19, we have a lot of artists that are struggling financially. So the idea came to have a Black Lives Matter artist grants program at the Jordan Schnitzer Museum of Art at the University of Oregon, at Washington State University in Pullman, and at Portland State University. So how it works is we're committing $50,000 to each of those museums. Uh, there is a panel each museum that we're not involved with the judging. We work with the Black Cultural Center, the, 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 the oh, history departments, women's programs, others. They're fabulous judges at each of these, each of these museums and universities. Artists will apply in the next 60 days. Uh, the 20 will be chosen, whether it's prints, sculpture, paintings, street art, video art. The museum, when they open up fully, will have an exhibition of this work. And we will fund then symposiums and artist talks and try to shift the conversation to solid, steady action steps that artists can help direct us and teach us of how to learn how to better understand these issues and heal, which this country needs now. I want to show everybody the website where artists can apply, and we'll also have a link to this website in our, our story on kgw.com. It's jordanschnitzer.org backslash artist grant. What impact do you hope these grants and the artwork have? Well, the protests in the street, uh, the constructive part of that has been uh, very important for us in this community and nationally. At the same time, we need to have thoughtful dialogue about these issues among us. So while I can't wave a wand and, and control every community in this country, at least in these three communities where we have these museums, maybe they can serve as a focal point of bringing together artists who have done work about Black Lives Matter with departments on campus, with NAACP, other local organizations, Black Lives Matter leaders and so forth, have community discussion so we convert the passion and the anguish to better understanding and out of that maybe some action steps in society we can take to, um, to try to once and for all deal with these issues and, and, and make solid steady progress for the next generation. I want to touch on a project you've been involved mm -hmm. in to help people who are homeless. You held a news conference on Wednesday about the former unused Wapato jail that you bought for $5 million. It now has a new name, the Bybee Lakes Hope Center, in partnership with Helping Hands. It's set to open in September with the emergency shelter beds. What does this mean to you, Jordan, to, that it's finally going to open? Well, as has been reported, we bought the facility for the land value to build a warehouse. One of our real estate businesses is the warehousing business. 
and we had a, a beautifully designed 323,000 foot warehouse design there. But every time I went out to see it and I saw the nine wings, the bathrooms, the showers, the huge kitchen facility, the workout areas, the classrooms, it just broke my heart that we were going to tear it down. We worked for two years to try to find someone to operate it and finally met Alan Evans of Helping Hands based in uh, uh, Seaside. They have an unbelievable program. They operate 11 facilities in, in four counties. And uh, by gosh, we've made incredible progress. We had this uh, uh, barbed wire cutting uh, a couple of days ago, and they're opening up in September, as you just suggested, with 50 beds for emergency housing. In December, there'll be 240 beds, a, a wing for men, a wing for women, and a wing for families. Uh, we also announced that TriMet is uh, having bus service to the facility. Um, we've got the Portland Public Schools, um, the Fabian School coming to be able to teach uh, uh, preschool and grade school kids so that no families that are there, will kids will miss a beat on education. What does it mean? I've grown up in Portland. My office is downtown. This homeless problem breaks my heart, and it should break everybody's heart in this city. I've said for a long time now, the people on the street, they don't want to be there. And so often we think they're just nobodies, but they are somebodies. They're somebody's mother, father, son, daughter, niece, nephew, neighbor. They're people that through whatever circumstances, a tsunami-like event may have come over in their lives, which just caused them to not be where they want to be. So all I know is that if we can help one person at a time get off the street and get into a program where there's proper nutrition, and, and counseling to help them resolve some of their issues and get back to being the productive citizens they want to be, and that's a heck of an accomplishment. And uh, this facility should be by next uh, June having 500 beds, and that's a lot of folks that maybe we can uh, help them get back to having the dreams and goals and live the lives they want to lead. And we'll talk more about that. You'll be on the show again in September when you open. I, we have about two and a half minutes left, but I did want to ask you, Jordan, something that you referenced, the, the protests in Portland. And I, I know you have some thoughts. What would you do if you were mayor? I guess if I were Mayor Ted Wheeler, who's a bright, capable guy and trying his best, I guess I would say the following quickly. I'd first off saying Black Lives Matter. And thank you, organizers, for raising this issue to the significance that it has now and raising the consciousness of people who maybe have thought about this, but not the degree we are now. Second of all, so this issue doesn't just go away in a week or two. I've got the city council degree that every month this year is going to be a Black Lives Matter day. And I have the ecumenical council of churches behind me, the board of rabbis, the Muslim organization, the Japanese American Citizens League, the Chinese League, NAACP, and we will work on uh, strategies for each of these days where we're having community-wide discussions about these issues. Next, okay, I will march arm in arm with all the peaceful protests because thank gosh we live in this country because if we lived in Russia or China, we wouldn't be able to have these protests. Next, as your mayor, okay, this city will not tolerate any police brutality, zero tolerance. At the same time, we will not tolerate any brutality towards the police. There should be neither. And I have the DA here. I have the head of Oregon National Guard. I have the sheriff of Multnomah County. Okay? And we are saying now for anyone who is trying to have destruction of public or private property, we will arrest you and prosecute you. I'll march again on every peaceful protest, but we are done having property vandalized. And lastly, 
okay? These issues, they are critical ones. What happens is when we don't understand each other, we develop uh, stereotypes and fearful thoughts. I've asked the neighborhood associations to come together and start having sister city relationships with different neighborhood associations. We need you need to reach across the river, throughout every neighborhood association, all 92 of them in this community, and get to know each other. So as mayor, I want to take positive steps to not let this movement just go away. We need to tackle it together. We need to look at our own values. And we need to be the city and the community and the neighborhoods and families that we want to be in the city. And that's your advice to Mayor Wheeler. A lot of people will, will wish you run for mayor, Jordan Schnitzer. But thank you for joining <laughs> oh, us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here on Straight Talk. And once again, if you'd like to apply for one of those Black Lives Matter artist grants, here's a website where you can find out more information. The deadline to apply is September 30th. Grantees will be notified on October 31st. Thank you for watching and listening. Don't forget to download our new podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week and stay safe.